Hey folks, welcome to the special part 2 episode where we'll discuss implications and speculation of the past on the future of one D&D. If you haven't listened to the first part on the history and fundamentals of the D&D open gaming license and system reference document, go give it a listen. Don't worry, we'll wait. All right, enjoy the show. Yeah, it's it, it almost feels like the equivalent. I think in England, they have this idea where like, you're free to roam, right? You're allowed to walk across property. Well, if I know people are going to be walking across my property anyway, what I might do is lay a brick path. And what I'm really encouraging is, can you please just stay on this path and not walk through my grass? <laughs> and a lot of people will choose to do that because, you know, sure, I probably could have done it. Maybe I feel guilty having stepped outside of it. But if you give me this path, why wouldn't I take this path if it lets me get where I want to go? But the reality is you... That feels like good comparison. Yeah, the, the reality is you, you could go off, exactly. I, I want to ask this question, because I, I feel like you've, you've kind of given this to us a bit. Let's talk about the Mind Flayer. I want to figure out where I cross the line. Okay, so uh, I don't use Mind Flayer. I, I, maybe I choose to, maybe I, maybe I do Brain Gorger, because I just don't want to carve it out. But then I, I go talk to my artist, and I say, Artist, uh, I, draw me a Mind Flayer. That's what I'm going to put in the book. <laughs> Am I probably still doing okay? Oof. Uh, here, I'll give my two cents. I'll give my two cents, and then Mark, you can do yours because this is, uh, you know, I've obviously wrestled with this. So the irony is, I think, uh, and Mark and I were talking about this earlier today, that if you uh, do something like I did and call it a brain gorger, but do exactly the same stats and exactly the same backs, ecology and biology and so on that D and D uses to describe their mind flare, you probably have committed an IP violation, a copyright violation. However. If you're a smartass like me and did came up with a brain gorger, added a different, another a fifth tentacle, aha, oh, um, well, that's then, completely different, obviously. Yeah, and then changed its changed its abilities and upped its stats and changed them completely. Uh, so it, it it's very if uh, the um, you know would would I still fail based on uh, the the really the 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 touchstone or threshold question when looking at any intellectual property question? Would a consumer be confused? Yeah, they would look at mine and say, "That's a mind flare." I didn't, re- I didn't realize that my, that image had five tentacles instead of four, despite the fact that I have different mechanics entirely. So it's a super gray area, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. I don't know, Mark. What do you think? No, I, 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 I think that's exactly right. I mean, there is, um, you know, that is a, it is a gray area. It's one of those things where it's 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 a sliding scale. You know, at one end of it, I call it a mind flare. I use the exact same stats and I use the exact same image. Clearly a problem. Something that's completely different, uh, you know, that looks nothing like it and has a totally different ecology. That's totally fine. Somewhere in the middle is where the line gets drawn. And the question really is how close to the line do you want to go? And I think usually in those circumstances, you're better off trying to just be creative and come up with something brand new or something of your own creation than to try to mimic one of those. I, I will say there is there is an exception to all of this uh, that's at least out there at the moment, which is Dungeon Master's Guild. And I know we're not going to spend any real time on that. But if you want to publish your product through Dungeon Master's Guild, you actually can use all, those, all that IP. Now, it actually has to either be... Um, uh, in no setting at all, or in actually one of Watsi's settings, the, the big problem with that is is that you have to split fifty percent of your income with one bookshelf and um, and uh, Watsi. So, 
but if but if you really 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 want to do an adventure with mind flayers and you just can't get it out of your mind or you want to do it do an adventure with the beholder you can do it through that mechanism if you want to do it outside of that if you've agreed to the uh the ogl you know you, that's that's a risk and even if you haven't it's a risk now is watsy going to come after you that's always a decision that you can make but but you know uh you might get a cease and desist letter if you're being if you're being brazen about it yeah it'd be much better let's just stay on the bricks <laughs> turns out copyright law is very complicated <laughs> well and, and, and again you know i feel like we've said this a couple of different times but as if, if you're treating this like a business and i think if you're going through all the effort to write a book and then publish it and get it out in people's hands you're treating this like a business why would you ever take this risk why would you give yourself the heartburn uh that if the winds start to shift you're not protected by this agreement I mean, the, the larger companies, yeah, I, think I agree with you. The larger mid-sized companies do have counsel they can go to who regularly worry about this, and they do. I mean, you know, you know, uh, whether it's Frog God or Goodman or Casium or and certainly Watsy, they they have lawyers who do focus and and worry about this. Um, if you don't have that, and you're just you know yourself writing an adventure where you want to get published, it's hard to compete with that without trying to be. Um, you know, t- trying to stay on that on that brick path. Well, <clears throat> Gamehole Publishing was ready to go to the mat on Brain Gorger with Watsy if they wanted some. <laughs> 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 well, I, I'm glad you never had to. Yeah, I not, mean, not yet. No. Yeah, no, that, yeah. yeah. I don't think they care about the the 150 copies that were sold or whatever. So, <laughs> well, and, 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 and unfortunately, Alex, you do know a good litigator. That's true. <laughs> at least a cheap one <laughs> all right so let's say i'm i'm one of these creators i'm frog god i'm kobold whoever else um i'm publishing a new product under the open gaming license and like i've got a bunch of these on my shelf i've got a bunch of digital copies and like you crack them open and in the formatter there's like the legal disclaimer on the bottom and it says like x is product identity and then all the way at the back is the open gaming license as I write my product and as I look at my product, like I, I'm naming things, I'm naming characters, I'm naming monsters, I'm naming places, I'm building out mechanics. Like as I look at these things, how do I figure out what is and isn't product identity? Okay, I guess I will take that one. Um, <laughs> well, you know, um, the answer is, is, is if it is something that is identified in one of those books as product identity, then you know it's product identity. If it's not identified, but you're taking it out of one of those books, uh, and it's not either identified as open game content, or it's not in the SRD, it's also product identity. So if, 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 if you pull out a, uh, if you pull out uh, Necropolis, the book that I did for Frog God, and you say, wow, I would really love to do an adventure in Artuat, the city of, or the, the village of Artuat, and I'm going to use the same layout because that must have been open game content, right? No, it's not. Even if it doesn't say, and I'd actually have to go back and look, it's been too long since I've looked. I don't even know what we did mm-hmm. identify as open game content and as product identity. But if it's not, if it's not otherwise specified, it's product identity, which means you cannot use it, which means you need to be creative on your own 
um, and and do your own stuff. Now, is there some risk you might use a name somebody else used? Of course there is, and the odds are if it's totally out of context and it's a different type of thing uh, or monster or individual, nobody's going to lose any sleep over the fact that you named the same you know, use the same name that somebody else did. On the other hand, if you know you happen to have an eleventh level warlock with a certain name and certain magic items, and it lo and behold happens that somebody else's book has exactly the same character, you've probably made a mistake, and you need to spend some time reworking your your product. I don't. Know, does that help? I suppose you're wondering why we're RPGbot.net. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's yeah, fair. <laughs> Um, I think another way to look at it is if uh, is what you are considering using uh, that has not been specifically uh, designated as open content, would it be generally subject to copyright protection? And I know that's a lawyerly way of looking at, it, but 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 or um, is this novel storytelling? You know, you can use something just some real easy lens like that. You know, is there, is there some narrative element that was creative? in whatever it is you're, you want to use and it hasn't been designated as open content, you should probably stay away from it. That's just, I mean, just do that and you'll, that'll get you through 90 high 90 percentage of all those uh, use that simple lens, I think. So how far does this go? Like, could I just print off the SRD and sell that? That's an interesting question. I have actually seen mm-hmm. people who said you can do that. On the other hand, if you look at the <laughs> SRD at the very bottom, it says not for resale, permission granted to print or photocopy this document for personal use only. So, um, so that's, if I stick that's tape a over that. <laughs> that yes, if, <laughs> if, if you delete that, then you're clearly going to be okay. Maybe not. Um, I mean, it, it, it is. It, it's. It's. Uh, it, I've actually seen people who've said, "Yeah, you could just literally reprint the SRD and bind it nicely and sell it and make a lot of money." And yet, you see this disclaimer. You know, I, I, I guess what I'd say is, I'm not really sure, and it's probably a bad idea to try. Okay, I've. Okay. I, I have another one for you. I. I really like. The mechanics. I think the mechanics are great. I like the content that's in the SRD, and I'm building a video game. Can it? Right? I, I, I can do that, can't I? <laughs> do you just put the open gaming license at the end of the video game? How does that? No, work? I, I, I would put it at the beginning, right? Like you get the Nvidia flash, and then I'm going to hit you with the whole OGL. I'm going to let you know that <laughs> you know all of this. I can, you know, the whole thing's open gaming content. If you can get access to the source code, go nuts. Well, I, so you're talking about using the the contents of the SRD and uh, and just porting it over to a video game. Yes, with but 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 using all but but complying otherwise with the uh, with the uh, with the requirements of 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 attaching a license suit somehow. You know, right in their opening credits or whatever. Yeah, I pay a lawyer to figure out how to attach it. But yes, that's that's interesting. I, I quite frankly don't know, Mark. What do you think about that one? I, um, I. I I'm a little more. I think I'm a little more on the liberal side of these things than you are, and I'd probably say, well, maybe, but I don't know. That doesn't. I have to think <laughs> about that. That's because I, the problem is there are all kinds of other. We're we're looking at this very, um, um, very antiseptically. Without there are all kinds of other regulations that cross all these industries that we're just sort of blowing past, um, mm. because we're looking at this purely as intellectual questions, uh, and so that that 
you know, I, so that, and I'm far from knowing anything about uh, video game publication. I don't know anything about that. It could be that we have to just look at the specific verbiage in the open gaming license as to whether it's spe- it clearly calls out specif- specifically like tabletop content, published content rather than R- written content. Games. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess, I mean, the more, the maybe the more realistic and innocent version is like, I write an application that helps you build characters for for content that's under the open gaming license. I mean, I think that's what D&D Beyond did before WotC acquired them. Well, they had a license. Yeah, they had a license, but there are, there are plenty of them out there. There are plenty of those sorts of things um, out there. So I think I... I my my off the cuff answer is that you can do it. I, I don't unless there's something specific in the OGL that I can't remember about. What you know, Ash? That's a really good point. If they have some sort of, um, if they're if they have some guidance as to the media and medium in which these 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 uh, materials can be used, I, I don't recall if there is some, any such limitation. Okay. Yeah, but there, there are plenty of people out there. I mean, there are uh, online that have uh, sites that are um, you know character builders, uh, spell builders, all this kind of stuff, and it's clearly not. Those are clearly not licensed entities. Character yeah, optimizers. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it, so it sounds like once we get outside of RPG text products, it's a little murky whether or not the OGL applies. So like video games seem like a very complicated answer. Um, Actually, I, I want to poke at this just a little bit more. And, and I apologize, but this is fun. <laughs> How much of what matters, like you talked about, there's there's a lot of other things we have to consider besides the OGL to figure out whether this would apply. Assuming there's no language that restricts it, how much of the intent of the license matters here? You know, certainly the intent was to publish written material, to publish modules, to to extend the game and grow the game. If there's no real clear intent that I would go create another medium, like a movie or a video game, does that matter in, in this area of law? Oof. So um, I will try. I'll babble for a moment, Mark, to give you time to think about it. But so the I, I, so what you have also you have the intersection of contract law here too, the basics of contract law. So what the OGL is um, is a is a contract as well, and that is that you have uh, you there's licensor and licensee. You have uh, for consideration for the the ability to use um, uh, the the the. Uh, uh, the the rules that you can go ahead and, and and have the benefit of them and so there's a there's a quid pro quo there's an exchange there so once you start that's interesting so I don't think though um, because you have you've set up a, a a document that allows people to use your 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 IP in in this way that it that somehow because you did not contemplate it being you know go to some different medium uh, that f- somehow would act as a bar i don't see that any concept anywhere that would prevent that um but mark please tell me how i'm wrong yeah i, I mean I, I, i've been sort of noodling about this and taking a quick look while we've been talking i don't see anything in the uh ogl that that refers to a type of medium so i, I would suspect that you could use this in any medium whether it's a movie or a video game or any other any other type of medium where you are creating something that is tangible you know like a you know video audio or or otherwise so i would think you 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 probably can use it for any of those things um somebody who is a real expert on the ogl might tell me i am i'm wrong but but at least my 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 look at it suggests that you are are totally 
able to use it. And you just have to make sure that somehow you've identified, I guess, in the end credits uh, or or somewhere, maybe when you when you start it up, I can be pretty exciting to start up a video game. And the first thing you get to see is the OGL, but, um, <laughs> you know, and it's got to be up there long enough that you can read it presumably. Um, okay. but, but I would, I, you know, I, I would think it, think it, it would work. Now, obviously if all you are using is mechanics and nothing else, again, you might decide you don't need to rely on the OGL because all you're using is armor class and, you know, hit points and, you know, other things like that in the context of your video game. Uh, but if you decide you want to use fairy fire or something that might arguably be something that is subject to copyright because of the description, then you probably would rely, want to rely on the OGL in that case. Um, you know, if, if otherwise you can, you can work, work around it. Okay, so I guess now's a good time to let everybody know. So everybody's super excited about the Dungeons & Dragons movie coming out next year. Uh, shortly thereafter, keep an eye, you know, look out for uh, 5e compatible. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> I, 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 I hope so. Now that we, uh, we've got a good sense of like what the OGL is and its past and stuff, should we address the elephant in the room and talk about 1D&D? What if, what if, before we did that, what if we made people wait through another ad break? Oh, you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I've got to feed that cat, man. <laughs> I know. So the real reason why people are here. <laughs> so yeah, Ash, I, I think you're exactly right. Like, we should hop in. We should talk about what do we think is going to happen with 1D&D? You know, it's, it's wild, and I know we hinted at it, but I want to bring it back again. 5e came out, and there was a two-year period where we didn't know what was going to happen. And people started publishing anyway. Well, 1D&D is coming. What, what are they going to do? Have they learned anything? Like, where are we headed? Well, interestingly, they did put out a statement, but it's a very vague statement and I don't like it. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and read that. It says, we will continue to support the thousands of creators making third-party D&D content with the release of 1D&D in 2024. While it is certain our open gaming license or OGL will continue to evolve just as it has since its inception, we're too early in development of 1D&D to give more specifics on the OGL or the system reference document or SRD at this time. Uh, so I think it's most interesting to talk about this in terms of let's just assume that there won't be an OGL and SRD like we have now, uh, because if there is, things go on right nothing's going to change so then we have to think about well what does that what does that mean what what have they gone to um and if they and they've they've already committed to doing something because that's about the only thing you can glean from that statement we're going to do something we just don't we're just not in a position to tell you what it is so it almost certainly then the alternative is some sort of pay to play licensure kind of agreement it almost has to be there really isn't not much of anything else unless they i mean i they're not going to completely surrender the field you know say yeah just do what you want without an, an srd that's not gonna <laughs> so it has to be something like that um if it's if it's more along the lines of the dm's guild which mark refer referenced before you can uh you can use all the one D, &D stuff but it's going to cost you x percentage or it's an annual fee or there's some sort of reporting requirements or who knows who knows what that looks like and that's what's going to be yeah that's so that's my belief uh is they're they're at least they're they're formulating something like that um 
because it's very easy to say, yeah, we're going to have the, we're going to, yeah, we're going to release an updated OGL, an SRD, I mean, but they haven't said that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's hard to know what's going on. And I sort of interpreted that release as not everybody within WOTC is in agreement as to what they should do next and that they are still working it out. It's a business and there is a decision-making chain. There has been some turnover in management there. So uh, people may need to get acquainted with historical facts. So it's it, it's hard to know. And you know they may come out with a new SRD. They may not. I do think it is important, however, to remember that they're at least you know, so far, you know, they're purporting that um, 5.0, call it that, 5th edition, will be backward compatible into this new 1D&D 5.5 or 6th or whatever they're calling it. And so far from what I've seen, and I really haven't studied the, the beta stuff they've been circulating, maybe somebody else on this, you know, around here, around this table has seen a lot more but yeah. you know we'll have a link in not, the show notes they, they are not changing <laughs> as far as i can tell the major mechanics it isn't clear to me that they're they might be adding spells but it doesn't seem likely that they're, that they're going to be getting rid of or completely renaming or retitling spells or monsters um which means the existing ogl continues the existing srd continues um, they've always said that they limited what was in the SRD. So, for example, if if you go in there, you'll see that not all of the barbarian paths or the druid circles that are available in the player's handbook are in the SRD. And the comment they make as to why is because they want people to be creative. So you can always create more stuff, and you can always continue to rely upon the existing OGL and the existing SRD. And if it is compatible, you should, in theory anyway, be able to continue to make adventures that are compatible with the new 1D&D or whatever it is. Now, they could make so many changes that, that it's very cumbersome to do that. And my guess is, is that we don't know that, and they don't know that yet either. That They're still trying to figure out how many changes they're going to be making and how effective it is. But I don't know that this is quite as bad as, as, as when, you know, they went from e- even three, three to three, five, and certainly not from three, five to four, um, when they, when they totally changed the license. So I think there is some more flexibility here than there may have been in prior situations. Um, but where they ultimately come out, I suspect is going to be a business decision on the part of Watsi as to, do they think they're going to make more money by third-party publishers printing a lot of stuff that, um, that, that reflects the new rules? Or do they think it's better to try to corner that market all themselves? Okay. So I, I, I want to ask a question. I want to tease this apart. Let's stay just in a 5e land. Let's ignore 1D&D for a moment. We've said mechanics cannot be copyrighted. But if a mechanic is not given in the SRD and is kept as product identity under the OGL plus SRD, if I'm trying to publish under the OGL, I would be in violation of the OGL if I tried to use those mechanics. That's correct. If, if, if you agree to the OGL, then you have to abide by the OGL 
And if Watsi is called something product identity, as a matter of contract, you've agreed not to use it, even if you could have used it had you not agreed to the OGL. Okay, so that makes sense to me. Now, we go to 1D&D. 1D&D is a different game. Potentially, it has this new license structure. We're not sure what it's going to be. It's, it's an evolution of the OGL. It says so right there. If 5.5 or 6 or whatever the game winds up being has differing mechanics and the material is, is, a, is effectively out of bounds to me, could I potentially use the 5e OGL, use those 1D&D mechanics, which are outside of the scope of the OGL and the SRD that I've agreed to because it's a different game? Yes, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, because the, what happens is the, the fifth edition, the, the OGL SRD that exists now, it doesn't go away. It's not going to be revoked. Um, although, has there been discussions uh, among uh, at Wizards of, you know, can they and should they? I would be, I, I strongly believe that there have been, I, at least it's been discussed. But I think the reality is that um, it, it can't and it won't be. So, you know what happened obviously with when fourth edition came on and uh birth pathfinder they that's pretty recent history you know uh and the because the fifth edition srd is still there there's nothing keeping from uh um critical role ghostfire mcdm uh cobalt any of these people there's some real i mean there's some big publishers now that could step out and saying we're going to create a new role. We're going to continue a new role playing game. It's going to be called whatever, but it's really fifth edition. That's a very real risk, and they have to be they have to be cognizant of that and have to be thinking about that uh, when they're when they're going forward. That's because I think that's a path that's fraught with peril. Uh, because unlike three point five, well, there are millions of people playing fifth edition D anD D now. The numbers are staggering compared to what. Uh, any other previous edition, uh, and so that's the challenge when you introduce a new edition to in an environment where we already have the most popular edition of D anD D that's ever existed by a long shot. Any uh, anything that looks like abandoning it sound, seems manifestly foolish to me. So I, I agree with Mark. I think ultimately they're going to try to to try to walk a line here, um, but boy, that sounds pretty challenging to me. Yeah. I mean, if it, if we go by the assumption that the there is going to be no OGL for one D and D, and since one D and D is backwards compatible with fifth edition, that's a tightrope that both the Watsi and the pub, third party publishers are going to have to walk pretty carefully. And is it possible that Watsi might just think that it's just not worth it and revoke the fifth edition one G uh, OGL as well? And what would that look like if they did that? That's a that's a uh, the, the other question of that is, can they in the first place? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think they can. Uh, that's my belief. And I think I'm in the large majority on that uh, for, for, a, for, a, for a variety of reasons. So I, I think that's off the table effectively. I don't think they can okay. do that. Well, there's, there's a line in the OJL, right? Grant in consideration, in consideration for agreeing to use this license. Right. You got it. The contributors grant you a perpetual worldwide royalty-free non-exclusive license with the exact terms of this license to use the open game content. So I, I think the question is, and, and I, I and first of all, I agree with Alex. I think the way they've phrased this, they they would face an uphill battle. That doesn't mean that they would lose as, as, as always in the law, you, you know, 
we have courts because we get surprised um, sometimes. <laughs> but I think the better argument is that they've granted this perpetually and they cannot revoke it. Now, there is an argument you could make that would say that, look, until you have in contract law what's called an offer and an acceptance, which means somebody has offered a contract and somebody else has accepted it. That's when you have a, have a real contract. You don't have a contract or even a license under this. So when I go out and I publish something and I attach the OGL, this becomes part of my product. And I now have a perpetual license that can never be revoked. There is a question, however, if you know, could Watsi say everything published up through midnight tonight is okay. But starting tomorrow, we revoke it going forward. We're no longer making offers of this contract in the future. Could they do that? It's possible. And there is, I think, some risk in that. But there's some risk for them as well, because there's an awful lot of reliance going on by people right now who are in, in the process of writing lots of adventures and books and products on the assumption that they're going to be able to use the OGL and they're spending a lot of money. And if if they tried to pull it, there's an excellent argument people would say that, that look, if you were going to pull this, if you thought you could pull this, you should have put it in your contract. And you know, this is what I was mentioning earlier about the intersection of different laws. Here's a that's a perfect example. Um, is uh, here in Wisconsin, I know in Washington they have a fair dealership law. That is a a, a group of, a body of of law that says basically to protect dealerships. Who's you know mom and pa are going to open a Ford dealership and they spend all this money and build a Ford dealership and Ford says nope, you can't get to sell Fords anymore. And they're saying they're like ah, you know that that's a, a, a body of law that protects people in that situation, and that would certainly uh, be pled in. If I were, if I were a Wisconsin publisher, which I were, uh, and uh, we're going to try to to fight back against something like that, would be certainly one of the causes of action. And there are other ones. There are all kinds of consumer protection codes out there in every state, and also uh, federal ones too that we haven't that would take hours to go through. And I certainly don't have the expertise to go through <laughs> anyway. But so it's it's very complicated, and I don't. That's why I don't think they would do it because it's just so fraught with so much peril. It's just a minefield for them. And we're talking about a lot of like doomsday nightmare scenarios. It's been said a couple of times, but I want to highlight it again. From what everybody's seen since Watsi has been running Dungeons and Dragons, they really have been uh, good partners in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, fourth edition, it's spicy and, and maybe right, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but but yeah. What, what is the pod? Three X and five E pretty good the ogl is really nice it's the basis for a lot of very successful creators these days um it has set a standard that a lot of modern rpg publishers are following like uh uh, alex i think you mentioned free league earlier and we brought up cypher Merkborg has a public license like they're it's becoming more and more of a standard for established publishers to have an open license for their games and that's that's clearly helping grow their communities like um randall and i our friendly local game store uh we were in there like i want to say a month ago right after coming home from game hole 
and uh you know just went in to show a friend around and like there there were a couple third-party products on the shelf for Merck Borg that had been published under their open license those third-party products are adding shelf space for the first-party product people are catching on to the fact that this is a good idea this works like this grows the audience this grows the industry the rising tide floats all of the boats putting putting the legal minefield aside like i i'm not a business person uh i do not know how to publish a book i don't know how to run wizards of the coast from my perspective looking at all of the evidence that i can see and like the way the winds are blowing public license seems like a really really good deal you're inviting a bunch of other people to do free marketing for you (laughs) seems like a good deal well i think it was a good deal but now like we talked earlier about how the fourth edition was fourth edition uh revocation of the open gaming license was a huge mistake for watsi because they had such a niche audience that you know alienating people away from that proved to be kind of a bad idea and uh people didn't really have a lot to go to until pathfinder showed up but now now that so many people use fifth edition like it's one of them it's like far and away the most popular tabletop role-playing game right now no other no other uh, tabletop role-playing game even comes close to how much fifth edition is popular like you see it everywhere i feel like maybe it's gone a little bit to their heads and they feel like now that they can get away with maybe being a little bit more restrictive about it because where else are you gonna go pathfinder 2 come on but um, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, so if we go under the assumption that the open gaming license is going away, or at least is going to be different, what do we think Watsi's going to do to replace it? Because I, I, I doubt they'll they'll completely get away from it, like completely get rid of it. They'll probably go more towards a fourth edition sort of way of like a more restrictive gaming license. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, here's my two cents. If I were, uh, if I had that IP and I were going to, uh, and we're, and corporately, we have a, so I'm going to make a series of assumptions. <laughs> so um, that we have um, sales are down, and I don't know that to be true. Let's just say it's true, though, that their books are, there's a declining revenue. I have, I have absolutely no idea if that's true or not. There, are, As far as I know, there are no public, Sales numbers for for a Wizards product, um, and you see fifth edition uh, f- uh, third party producers producing very successful uh, books, uh, maybe even outselling them. Maybe 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 that's possible. If that's possible, I don't know if that's if that's actually happening. So then you're in that environment. So you want to you want to create a new edition that um, while um, ostensibly backwards compatible, as Mark pointed out, there's enough fiddly bits that it makes it difficult. You know, I don't know. That's 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 that I, I'm. You know, that's what the, I, I'm just seeing the same things that everyone else is seeing. You know, with the with the playtest materials. Then, do you reach out to your major major third party producers and try to work out an arrangement? Um, you know, is it is it a licensure? So I think Ash, what you're what you're suggesting is most likely that there's got to be. Some, I would think there's got to be something that looks like a license uh, to yeah. to major players out there. Um, that's the only way that it would make sense 
to me at least, if you're going to, if, if what all these series of, of uh, suppositions that I've just laid forth are true, um, that's, that's, that's what makes sense to me anyway. Yeah. I mean, certainly if, and I don't know how many large third party publishers there are, let's assume there's 10, I don't know, maybe that's a reasonable number. Maybe it's not. Watsy could go to the effort of negotiating separate license agreements with each one of those 10, which may then absorb 80% of the market, maybe even more at that point. And then they could leave something like DM Guild available for all the small people and say, look, you want to publish, you can use all of our IP, you just got to give us a cut. And whether it stays at 50% or they change it, that's certainly another approach that they could take that would potentially enable a lot of people to continue to to publish i do wonder you know a lot of it depends upon whether those hypotheticals that alex ran through are accurate if if they're looking at their business and they see it falling off and they think it's in part because market share is being taken by third parties without in their view you know and i'll use the the word they would use fair compensation then they're going to look for a way to obtain part of that compensation on the recognition, I would hope, that simply shutting down the market would not be good. And I think, I think we, if we can take anything out of the press release at all, it's that they do recognize that they have to have some support in some fashion for those third-party publishers. What form it's going to take as I said, I have a feeling that they're probably arguing about it at this very moment somewhere in in in, in the Watsi offices. So, so the the uh, other uh, then this fascinating piece that could happen. Then let's say that's all that's true. Then there's some other player out there that says, "No, I'm not going to play ball. I'm going to go ahead and keep producing fifth edition materials in our own setting, and off we go." And you know, here's here all you five E players who don't want to, you know, play this 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 different game. Um, here here here's a home for you. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how if wizards even if they were going to go out and try to negotiate with everyone, I don't think they could capture everyone that would to keep that from happening. I mean, I think that's still a possibility. Um, and isn't isn't that fascinating? I mean, that would be a really interesting thing to happen. Um, I, you know. So what you're suggesting is that it could be like a, a fifth edition version of um, a Pathfinder situation, essentially, where people yeah. are like, no, I don't like that. We're going to make our own system that's based off of fifth edition. Exactly. That's interesting. I, the, I could see that as a distinct possibility, depending on how restrictive the new license is. When, and Ash, towards the point you made that, like, sure, millions of people are playing 5e. It's a popularity that it's never had before. I think, you know, there's tiers of what people are willing to invest in it. And I think a large percentage, I'd say the majority of those millions of people are probably invested to the point where if they were told one D&D is not 5e, but this other content is, they might even prefer to keep playing that game mm-hmm. versus learning the new system and getting into it. So I could see that if you had video, you could look behind me and see this big rack of books that are all the fifth edition books. There are lots of people who have that kind of investment in those kind of books. That's no. I remember being a college kid when second edition came out, and I was pissed. <laughs> Wait a minute! I'm making yeah, I'm making three thirty two an hour at a pizza place, and I'm now going to go buy a new player's handbook and stuff, and I'm trying to pay pay for tuition. You know, no way. So I kept on playing AD and D longer than probably most people did. Um, 
And, you know, that's, that's a real reality. Uh, and that's why I thought what they, when they released fifth edition, it was so smart when they released the, the rules for free. And they said, yep, we get it. We, we understand that there's a financial burden with a, coming on to a new, a porting on to a new rule set. Here they are for free. I thought that was the smartest thing I've ever seen a game company do, quite frankly, maybe second only to the, to the open gaming license itself. That, that Merles and company thought, let's just give it away, um, the, the basic rule set. And I thought that was great. And that's a, still a problem that exists. We have the, the, if you have a majority of the fifth edition books, that's a lot of dough tied up in that. And it's not just something you just say, well, all right, let's move on. I don't think that's, I don't think that's such an easy thing that uh, from, a, from a marketing standpoint or business standpoint that you can just assume people are going to do. Yeah, a lot of people are going to choose to stay with it. Yep. Prior... Um uh, those of us who've been around long enough have gone through this process of, of having multiple sets of, of the games. Uh, but most of the people who are playing now have not, and it will be a big shock and a surprise, especially if you really do have to say, well, yeah, okay. You know, I can keep using my old player's handbook, but you know, 80% of it has changed. And if I want to play in the new, you know, league or I want to play with some other people, I really need the new book, you know, although it's technically backwards compatible, it doesn't, I'm not really backwards compatible because I, I can't really play bringing my old player's handbook. And that's going to be a potential issue. Now, the question is, you know, how do the, you know, how does Watsi present it? How do they make those changes available? I mean, right now you can get a bunch of them for free just by signing up for their their playtest. Um, you know, have they learned those lessons and are they able to find a way to cut some sort of middle ground? Um, and then the question is, is there somebody out there with deep enough pockets who think, you know what, I'm going to create the Pathfinder version of, of, of fifth edition and add in my own glosses. Um, but then of course, if you do that, then don't you need new books? I mean, you know, you needed Pathfinder books. You weren't playing with three, five books. It was a system preference, not necessarily as much of a book preference. And if the system is close enough and they're just creating more options, um, somebody's going to have to put in some real money and they, with a very uncertain outcome to compete against Watsi on this, especially with the marketing power they're going to have. And when you're talking about the size of the potential audience, the real risk here, obviously, is that what ultimately happens is Either they drive people away and the, the audience just shrinks and there's just fewer people buying it, or it's splinters. Um, you know, people keep playing 5e, jump people jump to Pathfinder 2, and other people decide I'm gonna go play Morkborg or Cthulhu or whatever, and I'm just gonna because I don't want to deal with all of this new stuff. Yeah, just talking about people who have never been in through it before. I have never been through it before. Um so folks who who follow the site will be familiar, you know, Tyler is working with all of the writers to put together these articles. I'm never on them because when he asked me what I write is, uh, I'm scared and I don't want to talk about it. I think <laughs> I think when you're talking about one D&D, change is scary, right? None of us like change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've been through this a few times. I have like I'm with Randall. Fifth edition was kind of my first foray into D and D, but you know it's been through different iterations. Obviously, fifth edition was the most successful, and I think there's a temptation when something is new to doomsay and uh, prophesy apocalypse. I think at the end of the day, you just need to take a deep breath, realize that things will probably work out. 
I even if there is no open gaming license for one D and D, I don't think that the fifth edition open gaming license is going anywhere. And if fifth edition, if that's the case, and you just want to stick with fifth edition, then I think just stick with fifth edition. Yeah, I, I also remember when D and D Next, which was the beta version of of fifth, came out. And this was on the on, on the tail of of fourth edition. Everybody said it was just going to fail; that it was too late. Um, you know, D and D was dead. Uh, Pathfinder was the way of the future. Um, that uh, the, the people who came up with fourth edition could never come up with a good system. It's too late, and we should write them off. And the, all those people are probably some of the same people now who are saying. 5.5 or 6th edition is a disaster. How dare they do this? They're terrible business people. And you know what? They might be right, but they also might be wrong. And I do think that, you know, it, it, it's too early to be scared about this. Um, you know, we have to wait and see who ends up winning the battles within WotC and to what extent, you know, because a lot of them are, are new, you know, uh, although many of even the new people have at least been in the industry as players, if not, you know, business people for a while, hopefully they'll figure it out. I mean, fundamentally the last, how long has fifth been out? Is it eight years? Something like that? Yeah, about, eight years. about eight years. Yeah. You know, in addition to being the most successful game, I think you know, it's been the most successful business as far as anybody can tell that, that, that D and D has ever been owned by. It has been owned by a series of companies that, could not fully monetize the product they had. And it seems like they've done a very good job with it. We also don't know what internal pressures Watsi is under internally and externally from Hasbro. So, you know, we're, we're going to have to wait and see. But, but you know, um, I can guarantee that the people who are, who are doomsayers about it right now are either right or they're wrong. But beyond that, I can't say much. Solid prostitution. Yeah, I know. That's, that's you know, <laughs> why I get paid the big bucks. Yeah, I, I had I had one more license or like license structure I wanted to bring up because I think it's interesting and it meets a lot of the things that we talked about. I don't know if Unreal still does this, but at one point, the licensing structure for the Unreal Engine was that it was free to use until your total sales reached a million dollars. After that, you owed a 5% royalty. Yeah, I could see them maybe doing something like that as well. I, I again, like I think a lot of it is just speculation at this point. We don't know what is what's gonna what it's gonna look like until it's out. Yeah, it'd be hard to speculate if we already knew what was happening. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, true. Uh, the, the, the complication that I could see with this system like that is is you need to audit it. Yeah, you know how do you know when somebody hits hits that number? Is Watsi going to go back to saying you need to send a postcard in to use it, and then you need to send me your quarterly financials? That seems mm. it seems unlikely to me. Uh, now, could they do that with larger companies that might want to get a bespoke special license because they want special rights? Sure, because for for you know for somebody who already is preparing you know financial statements, it's no big deal to send them copies but for the small publisher or even for the moderate sized that'd be really hard for for anybody to track so i don't know how that would work yeah well and i guess the other thing is could you could you literally destroy the legal entity and create a new legal entity that hadn't made you know some amount of sales i you know i can imagine them tightening it up but 
you know, the average content on DMs killed, how many units did they actually move? Not much. Yeah. yeah. Not and, much. And, and so like basically removing that barrier and just say getting in here, cause I don't need part of what you're doing, like party on, but I do want to take revenue when you're publishing at the size of fraud God at the size of Cobalt, for instance. Um, but yeah, I, I take your point. It, it, you know, it can't quite be honor system, but I would also say there's probably not that many publishers out there that they would need to be watching today, depending on where they set that barrier. Hopefully we didn't just give them an idea they hadn't thought of yet. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Uh, What have we done? <laughs> Look, Watsy, if you're going to take ideas from this podcast, take the uh, take the ideas about improving yeah, five years. Please mechanics, don't take please. the predatory monetization <laughs> advice. Yeah. No, okay. yeah. So, yeah, Alex, Mark, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, this has been fantastic. I know I have learned a lot, and I hope folks at home have as well. Uh, so, Alex, Mark, where can folks find you? Uh, well, I'll go first because we're Mark and I are uh, actually working on a project together right now uh, for Frog God called The End of Everything. And my friend Alan Patrick is <clears throat> my co-author. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I'll be uh, turning the manuscript over to Mark, gosh, hopefully by about the end of the year. Uh, final play testing is almost done. I'm super excited about it because this has been something that Alan and I have been working on for about two years now. Um so, uh, but beyond that, uh, you know, you can come and say hello to me, uh, usually at the front desk at GameholeCon. All right. Well, and um, you know, occasionally I am doing Kickstarters or Indiegogos for uh, Frog God or Necromancer games. And in those cases, uh, I'm usually on those uh, sites. So uh, messages that go through those, uh, those will always find their way to me. And sometimes I will respond and sometimes I'll make... Uh, Zach Glazer's wife respond instead because she knows it and I don't. You know, um, beyond <laughs> that, um, I'm on I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm 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 not really on Twitter, so there's no way to reach me there. And all those other things are for the young kids. I can't blame you to be honest with Twitter right yeah, now. <laughs> you were right yeah. all along. It turns out. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, we will put links to some of this in the show notes so you can find it. Uh, and thank folks, you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Absolutely. All hail the leisure Illuminati. I'm Randall James. You'll find me at amateurjack.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Jack Amateur. Uh, I'm Tyler Campton. You'll find me at rpgbot.net, Facebook and Twitter, rpgbotdotnet, and pretty much every other social media platform as rpgbot. And I'm Ashila. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Graven Ashes, where I announce games that I'm running through Start Playing. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for sourcebooks and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rpgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. If your question should be the question of the week next week, please email podcast at rpgbot.net or message us on Twitter at rpgbotdotnet. Please also consider supporting us on Patreon, where you'll find ad-free podcast episodes, early access to rpgbot.content, polls for future content, and access to the rpgbot.discord. You'll find us at patreon.com slash rpgbot. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like Ron Burgundy. It's like, you know he's going to read whatever you put on the teleprompter. <laughs>